The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Zach, you are on the air. Hey guys, uh, can you hear me okay? I know you hate you it. Can? Cool. Um, uh, so Lakers can't sign and trade Dennis Schroeder, right? Oh no, they can. I mean, so the I the, saw the, Nate's I saw Nate's uh, tweet about where they're at already in the tax, and it's just it'd be an insane tax figure, right? Well, so the reason to me that they would do a sign and trade for Dennis Schroeder would be to pick up a trade exception, which the Lakers might not use this league year. They could theoretically roll it over to next league year, depending on how much they're spending at that juncture. And I mean, the Lakers, it seems like not retaining Caruso was partially financially based, but they have the capacity. I mean, this is a team that prints that, that can basically print money from a revenue perspective. So I uh, just for the sake of clarity, um, what triggers, let's say in terms of pure logistics, what triggers the hard cap is actually acquiring a player via sign and trade, just like using the non-taxpayer mid-level or more than the taxpayer and everything else. So they can, whether they will or not, and then use the subsequent trade exception or take on salary in the trade. Yeah, if that's what you're asking, then. I'm a little bit more skeptical. I'm also uh, with THT. Do you think they value THT more as a future trade asset? Because Caruso makes more sense for them in the short term on a basketball level, I would assume. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I think the fit of Caruso and Westbrook is not amazing. I think they just really believe that THT is going to take a, a big step forward this year. And I think by the end of that contract, THT will probably look better than Caruso. I don't particularly like the end of that contract with Caruso. So um, I think they're going to miss his defense at guard. But when you have Westbrook out there, it's really tough to play another non-shooting guard with him. So I think his role would have been reduced a little bit. Uh, THT is not an amazing shooter by percentage, but he's certainly more willing at higher volume than Caruso is. And I think they think that he's going to get better as well. They probably also needed some more playmaking. They do have none, but another guy who can do something on the perimeter is good. THT maybe can guard larger players. We'll see. I mean, it really all depends on just what THT is improvement level is he's only 20 years old and they're obviously big believers in that I, i'm i feel like this offseason has been much better for the lakers than last offseason besides whether or not russell westbrook will work out everything on the periphery is a lot better in my opinion but you know just whether russ works out is a big deal but anyway i'm curious we, what y'all uh we'll talk about more with the lakers uh, in the next uh, few months thanks guys yeah no just to react to that uh, what zach said i i agree i think they've done about as good as could be hoped filling in once they made the Westbrook move although obviously the Westbrook move in and of itself is probably more consequential than what they're doing to fill in a lineup but do you disagree with that Danny? I I think that's pretty reasonable I mean they did very well with minimum salaries I'm not saying they got like the five best minimum guys but I think they did very well and got players who can fill different things but it's much harder to match talents with a LeBron Anthony Davis plus Russell Russell Westbrook foundation than it is just AD and LeBron together and so that that'll be interesting um we'll talk about i'm sure we'll talk about the kendrick nunn signing later at least on the pod but we'll see if other people ask about it oh let's go to chet chet you're on the board all right i guess i'm gonna go straight
straight into the Kendrick Nunn thing, so good oh, transition. Okay. Uh, sorry for the too many Lakers questions, but um, I'm actually kind of happy that we missed on Patty Mills and got Kendrick Nunn. I think like Kendrick Nunn was a little bit underrated last year because everyone thought he flamed out in the bubble, but I think he was better than Patty Mills last year, and Patty Mills is 32 years old. What do you guys think? I think that Nunn, um, one of the interesting things, I mean, Miami is a, a kind of a different crucible there, is I'm not the biggest fan of Nunn defensively. I think that he can get he can get lost in actions a fair amount, and he shot better from three this past year, but I still would like to see that vol- that volume tick up a little bit more you know it's kind of it's, it's a part of what he does but you know where where does that fit in I, I haven't looked at his splits yet you know on ball versus off ball so I I like Patty Mills like it depends on what you're like I, I probably like I think I like Mills overall I think he has a more versatile jump shot I think what he's kind of looking for but none on a one plus one is you know like that's I don't think even if I'm higher on Mills than I am with none I don't think the margin between them is just like stark and dramatic yeah they just have different types of of games none to me is more of an off the dribble guy does shoot the mid-ranger which they actually kind of need someone who can get into the mid-range a little bit and create some shots particularly in the regular season but patty mills is obviously a much more dangerous off-ball player and they need guys who don't need the ball at this point in time i think none is a better fit in the regular season better playing on the second unit whereas mills i like him better playing with the starters Although, you know, I guess I like Nunn a little bit better defensively just because Mills is so small, but it, neither of them, I think, are, are great checks. I like the idea, though, that with Mills, he's a movement shooter. You can run some additional actions for him to get open off of screens, which you're not really going to do for Nunn. They don't really have anyone else who can do that other than Wayne Ellington. Mills and Ellington are somewhat redundant, but I think I like Mills a little bit better. And Mills can also be a little bit of a backup point guard as well. So I, I think I would like Mills better for this year but none has a chance to improve a, a little bit as well so I, I think they're relatively comparable in terms of their overall value but they do much different things okay yeah thanks I, I get that um so last thing i would say is the westbrook uh situation what i don't hear a lot of people talking about is now that we've got all these great shooters on on, on the minimums like we pretty much went all in on shooting after the westbrook deal is when ad if ad is really going to play that much center isn't this really good spacing around russ and and like, how, how do we think that's going to work? Well, out? so the shooters are Monk and Ellington. And that's, those are the only guys that I really look at as like huge plus shooters. And you're probably not going to play those two guys together at the same time. I guess Carmelo would be the other one. Yeah, you can put some pretty good spacing lineups out there at this point and yeah well, can i jump in for a bit the big point problem there is though you have to have russ involved in the action for that to matter because if you're playing russell westbrook off ball then the, the other team is just going to help off him like then then you negate all of the other spacing yeah maybe you can do it with a swing but you're going to gum up if it's a lebron ad pick and roll if that's the bread and butter that you're doing russell westbrook's not involved in that and the more you involve russell westbrook to not involve his man the more you're moving away from the lakers do that so i think that that spacing helps but it's i also don't think that that spacing is in players that they're going to trust in crunch time and so whether that's Orton Tucker stepping into a larger role or you know we'll see with Kendrick Nunn but I I think of the the shooting that they got with the possible exception of Wink Monk which I'm very intrigued by that um you know like Ellington I don't think of Ellington as a 16 game player at this point in his career and I, I've appreciated Wayne Ellington for a long time 
that's just not where he is. And Ariza has been inconsistent, let's put it that way, like as a, as a three-point shooter over the last five, ten years. Yeah, you are putting a lot on LeBron and AD probably in their best lineups because they're – and maybe Ariza is the three, but – they are going to have a lot of defensive liabilities on the printer. Jovan Bua has been pointing this out as well. So AD is a great defensive player. Uh, and we'll see, you know, if he, AD is the center, I do like that their teams are going to be prevented from putting a bigger player on Russ and just having that guy help at the rim all the time because you need the size on your team to guard LeBron and AD in theory. So I do think that Russ can maybe be more effective going against smaller players in that respect. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's going to be very interesting what it looks like. And it wouldn't shock me if we're saying around playoff time, the Lakers actually are better without Russ on the floor with just Ariza and then a couple of shooters around LeBron and AD. Like that wouldn't shock me if we're at that point. But yes, I think as long as AD is playing center in most of these groups, then, uh, or I guess Gasol is still going to start at center. But so that's how it works out with AD playing at center and how much that is. I think that's going to be a big driver of their potential success. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chet. Um, just, well, we, we could do it this way. I thought we were going to do it through question, but we could do this from, from Justin Solomon. Have you guys covered the Bulls already? We have not. Do you want to cover the Bulls now? Yeah, Danny, why don't we just go through exactly what they did today for people who missed that, and then we can expand on that a little bit. So what the Bulls did today was they they already brought in Lonzo Ball via sign-and-trade, Sadoransky and Garrett Temple in a different sign-and-trade going out in that deal and then they're bringing in Alex Crusoe that deal is the amount of the mid-level exception that we'll see you know could be in a couple different forms and so then today they bring in DeMar DeRozan the reported terms are three years 85 million dollars that's 28.3 a year and in order to bring in that contract the Bulls had to send or chose to whatever however you want to put it matching salary to make it a sign and trade with the Spurs they sent out Al Farouk Aminu and Thaddeus Young with a first round pick in two seconds yeah so there are many components of this deal and all of them seem to kind of compound upon one another where you're like okay three years 85 million for DeMar DeRozan maybe that's a little bit too much for him I don't know if I like his offensive fit that much and they're really going to struggle to defend but and that's a lot to pay for DeRozan at, at age 31 and then you throw in oh no actually you also had to give up Thaddeus Young who honestly might have helped the Bulls more than DeMar DeRozan this year when you consider his defensive contributions oh and then they also had to give up a first round pick for the right to overpay DeRozan and give up Thaddeus Young and they also had to give up two seconds to do that and so you just keep going on a, a, all these things where it's like okay we gave up a first round pick but at least we're going to get DeRozan on a good contract no you're not you're paying him 28 million dollars a year and you wonder where his leverage was he didn't appear to have another team interested in him other than going back to the Spurs and, and perhaps perhaps the Spurs in these negotiations were and part of how they got something out of the Bulls was like well hey we could always just pay DeRozan we don't have anything else that we're doing and DeRozan also said well hey you know I could the Spurs are just going to pay me this much so the only way I'm going to come is if you can beat the Spurs offer so maybe they kind of conspired with one another to both get DeRozan paid and get more out of the Bulls 
at the same time maybe that's where the leverage was because the only other thing was DeRozan talking about meeting with the Clippers who have the taxpayer MLE to offer and that's it so and, and go also ahead. The, the Clippers couldn't the Clippers couldn't do a sign-in trade because assuming Kawhi Leonard comes back they're so far they're so far over the line you know kind of like the Warriors and the Nets that you can't you can't hard cap yourself if you can't be under the hard cap so the the Clippers weren't a viable threat on the same sort of an offer and I and you know like when it was the the rumors were coming around that DeRozan was going to the Bulls I'm like yeah you know maybe and I had been starting to work on the idea of like they could you know if, they, if you could finagle the Caruso Tice thing which I talked about yesterday and then they would have their mid-level and maybe he gets a one plus one at the mid-level like could do that then yeah that's you know decent value for the Spurs and kudos to DeMar DeRozan and his agent for manufacturing this out of what appeared to be thin air like great work oh great work yeah for DeRozan I'm, I'm happy I'm happy for him and then let's get to the encore thing because I think so what makes DeRozan so distinct and and the San Antonio Spurs were a great situation for DeRozan to maximize his utility to a team. So DeRozan, he can soak up possessions offensively. He's become much better as a distributor, but he's extremely limited defensively. He basically doesn't have a position defensively because he can't defend anybody. And he doesn't reliably space the floor off ball. So how does that work when you have Zach Levine? And, you know, you could say with with Lonzo, he, I think with, with Lonzo and DeRozan in isolation, like when it's just the two of those guys, it could work because Lonzo... I think in the half court, he's better, you know, playing off of somebody else. But how is this team going to defend people? How is this team going to maximize the players they have? I don't have good answers for those questions. Yeah, and then you consider the age component for DeRozan as well. And for him to be making more now than he was is pretty remarkable and yeah this bull so i mean let's think about it here what do you think this bulls team you know let's let's say they can fill out with a competent backup center using the mle and maybe uh maybe they bring back marketing in now on the qualifying offer although marketing and insurance probably doesn't want to be there but he's got he'll at least have a little more of a role than he did last year when he had tice and young in front of him at the end yeah, of the he, year he'll, he'll probably if he came if marketing came back he'd be the third big and, and that's probably counting patrick williams at the four which is something that's another side effect of this in all likelihood is that when DeRozan, Levine, and, and Lonzo were playing together, then Williams is four, which is his natural position in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be pretty good offensively. I think they maybe the lower end of the top 10, possibly. Um, and again, we'll see how much the lack of spacing from DeRozan will hurt. But And Patrick Williams is still kind of a non-shooter as well. Maybe he'll have taken a step forward. I'd be interested to see him work in summer league. He will be playing more of his natural position at the four, although he'll still probably be guarding threes and then you're going to want to rosen guarding fours for if the team has any type of a threat on the wing and so that won't be great and Vucevic obviously is going to struggle I also really don't like the fit of Caruso and DeRozan together offensively but with all that I think they could be pretty good not elite on offense they're going to rely a lot on Vucevic's playmaking and spacing the floor as well to give DeRozan room to operate but then defensively I mean I don't see how they get out of the 20s and so all right is this a gonna I, I would predict them assuming they kind of fill out the roster in the fashion we expect to be you know maybe 45 wins next year so is that how you feel about it yeah that seems about right and a lot of it will depend on if they stay healthier than other teams but that that feels about right to me and may, maybe they can that, that might actually be optimistic the, the more I think about it actually I'll, I'll have to really talk through it but 
but uh, I would say like a full strength 45, you know, but then when you think about how things can affect during the year and then maybe they can also move Kobe white for somebody that makes more sense with this roster. Like, I mean, he's clearly on the outside looking in at this juncture. So there are a couple different things that yeah. the front office can do. From I, here, I'd be trying to Kobe. trade for Kobe white, actually, if I were another team. Same. Um, yeah, while we're on the subject of the Bulls here, uh, Justin asked what the Bulls can do with their remaining space, and they've operated over the cap this whole time, so they still have uh, the BAE available, potentially, which could be two years, uh, $7.65 million if they wanted to go that route. But they're basically down to minimums. Tice is gone. Bringing back marketing actually could be more of a priority now because they don't really have a way to pay him or pay other guys you know valentine maybe just because they'll have bird rights on him could be brought back javante green ryan archidiacono could see some of these guys brought back as well felicio maybe not uh so uh but they don't really i mean correct me if i'm wrong i don't think they have any other spending power other than the bae and minimums at this point i don't believe so i mean it looks pretty clearly like caruso got the level so they can they can't really do a whole lot there and with marketing i mean one of the other concepts whether it's through retaining him or a sign and trade is just getting an extra salary slot so you could bring in somebody who could help it the bulls are i don't think they have to worry too much about the luxury tax for the coming year so then theoretically let's say marketing wants to go play somewhere else you can do him a solid and, and if the other team is on board to do it as a sign in trade and then you get back either a salary slot or you get back a player who could be even if it's a low-end rotation player that's still somebody that could help the bulls or you keep marketing that works too Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? Like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love 
American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium Slub Crew tee, the No BS High Rise Pant, the Slim Roughneck Pant featured in Giant Magazine, Issue 2. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last no exceptions, and it provides year-round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finisher code CAPSPACE at checkout. Please remember we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know you came from us. Okay, let's go to, um, oh God, I pronounced this wrong last time and I've forgotten it. Is it, is it Kyle? Ciao? You're on the air. Well, hello, it's Kyle. Kyle, that's right. right. I believe you pronounced it right the last time. Um, so, okay, I'll, I'll do a quick uh, take on the Mark Rosen trade. Uh, man, I, I believe offensively, this is the best fit ever for the Mark Rosen because you have shooting in the point guard, shooting the shooting guard. Uh, even though he's iffy in the power forward, you had he shoot actually and shooting the center. So offensively, it's like, oh, he will average 20 points a game another year. Uh, but I, I'm so mad at this move because Nate being, has been pretty quick, critical on Lonzo Ball because he's been a subpar uh, pick and roll operator. And I agree, but my biggest defense on him would be, well, the most spacing he ever played was uh, two, year, uh, two years ago with Redick and Brennan Ingram. Because before that, he's the best shooter he ever played before those two. And counting Ingram jump on shooting was uh, Brook Lopez uh, starting to uh, to shoot trees because uh, uh, the next season he got the best shooter on his team was LeBron James I mean what and the next year was he was traded and was ben, Brandon Ingram jump and JJ Redick stuff so I was pretty excited to, uh, to see Lonzo if he could do it better and I don't know maybe get to Derek White bubble level I don't know and, but that now is doomed and fuck them are 20 points a game i guess <laughs> yeah it's, I, I think that's you do make a good point that Lonzo has not been in the best situation to maximize his pick and roll ability. He's gotten a little bit better there, but yeah, he's mostly been asked to spot up for other people. And now uh, he's going to be asked to do that again. Uh, and so we, we won't necessarily see him get to blossom potentially. Although I just think just watching him, like it's really hard if you're not a great finisher and you don't get to the line and you're not a great shooter off the dribble even if you are a great passer it's just hard to be a 
really good pick and roll player and he doesn't just the way his shot form is it's tough for him to rise up from the mid-range he doesn't have a great floater and so he just I don't think he has enough scoring tools in the toolbox he also doesn't have really an unbelievable handle either I mean it's not bad but he's not you know just faking guys out like using inside out dribbles getting guys on his back etc so I think he just doesn't quite have the tools in the toolbox right now to be a great pick and roll player even if uh he had a better ecosystem which as you point out he probably isn't going to uh unless they separate him from DeRozan in which case then maybe and I'm uh, sorry to interrupt Danny and uh, the my next my problem is yes I agree they actually actually for me the handle is the biggest part because when he's in, on transition uh, and he, the handle can be looser that doesn't matter he has the explosion and if you if he gets a steal you see the a- acceleration being pretty high but my problem is he cannot dribble without space yeah and that's yeah it. and Brandon Ingram got better with this uh I I mean I don't like to watch most most of those but Ingram made a lot of work in the offseason uh with uh dribble drills and Lonzo maybe can get better at this and if you watch them grow up that's the biggest difference as a ball handler for me between him and Lamelo. Uh, Lamelo is very good handler ball handler and Lonzo is like oh decent I guess but uh man i'm so mad (laughs) yeah all right well so uh, i mean i guess it's just all is it worth it it, for management and the fans so they want to see a team that's kind of squeaking into the playoffs i mean i think maybe the bulls think that they can get a a home court advantage this year maybe they could sneak into that but i just their defense to me is going to be so bad that they just have a really you know a ceiling on how good this team can be uh who are we going to next here danny let's go to jared jared you're on the air Hey guys, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to shift gears here a little bit and ask you guys which um, players from the 2017 draft you would be most willing to give a contract to as a second draft player. Um, I know Monk and Collins have already signed, um, but do you see guys like Nilakina or Dennis Smith, uh, Markinen, uh, who you guys just talked about a little bit, uh, any of those guys strike you as, as, as people who could contribute on the second contract well marketing's probably been the best player of the guys you mentioned so far i mean outside of john collins obviously what do you think danny jared is this just is this just a long is this just a long way of getting me to talk about shemi (laughs) ojale Uh, well, well, I didn't, um, I, I didn't, I, I, I'm a, uh, I'm a Gonzaga guy. So, uh, I was, I had Zach Collins in mind, but if you want to talk about semi Ojale, it's, uh, uh, perfectly, uh, you know, perfectly reasonable. Yeah. O- Ojale is, an interesting one just cause I think, you know, he's, he's strong. He can, the three pointer hasn't come in the way that I, I hoped that it would, but it's still, I, I still think it's a possibility. Um, Collins, I mean, what was, what's so interesting about the Collins contract is that if he were really reasonably healthy i mean we would have a lot more information but we i i can see him being a useful player on on a good team like just depending on where it goes we've seen so little of it and we don't i mean at at this point we meaning nate and i don't know where he is physically like how quickly is he going to be able to help the spurs is a huge question so i'm not i'm not at that point nate brought up like marketing's track record is is better than some of the other guys i'm trying to think about you know his pure second 
draft type of situations. Tony Bradley, I think, can, you know, as a backup center, totally reasonable to think that he could succeed in that role. And then the big one for me is Josh Hart. I think that Josh Hart, I would say it's less, less, you know, under 50% that he's a, that he's an NBA starter moving forward. But I think that chance is meaningfully higher than zero. And what's different about wings, you know, like two guard, three guard type of guys is that even if he's not a starting caliber player, there is still a clear place to give Josh Hart 20 to 25 minutes a game if he's good enough. And you can fit that within a rotation. You could have him as like the kind of the third, the third swing man, the third wing, depending on how you do it. So like Hart would, Hart would be my guy. It's possible that the match rights that New Orleans wields are limiting this, but I mean, I, I like him a lot. Yeah. I would add, uh, you know, Dennis Smith has just not been able to stay healthy and get a chance. I think if you're a team that has a good medical staff that can just hopefully like fix him physically, then maybe that that would be a thought. I'm not talking about for any kind of a significant contract for him. I'll, of I'll, course. Add, one, I'll add one more. Sterling Brown, which meant the Mavericks already signed. Yeah, that third yeah, draft I, <laughs> for, for Sterling Brown. Draft. Yeah. I, do you guys think that, that I mean, I, I guess I have this uh, notion, perhaps saying in my mind, that Frank Nilakina can be a uh, a Marcus Smart-esque player if you get him in a, with a, a system that can just teach him how to shoot uh, reasonably well he has that kind of Marcus Smart as uh, skill set but am I just way off base there uh, I think he's not as strong and as as tough as Marcus Smart like he's not going to be able to guard threes and fours and switch uh, the way that Smart can and Smart also honestly is a much better offensive player and finisher and even shooter you would say uh, and uh, then uh, Nilakina uh, at the same point in his career and you know better dribbler better passer so you know i i could see him as a defensive specialist and the guy we always compared him to in the draft was george hill but he hasn't really proved to be that level of shooter but i think he can be that level of defender uh so uh that's there's a thought there i think but i i he just has to get better as a shooter i mean he hasn't really been scoring at all in the olympics i don't think either and and if you're a team that feels like you can develop him a little bit, maybe, but it's tough to develop him when he's just so bad offensively that you can't play him very much right now. Cool. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for the question, Jared. Let's move on to uh, Chester. Chester, you're on the air. Chester, are you there? Chester, are you there? Oh, yeah. Hello. Am I you on? are indeed. Let's you go. Are. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so I think a slightly underrated thing about this DeRozan deal is uh, what happens with John Collins now? Because it looks like there are kind of no suitors for him. So if you were Atlanta, like, do you just say, you know, go and find us a deal to match? And it doesn't seem like he can get that, that much money now. So, well, yeah, so the challenge for or Nate, do you want, I think you're going to go the same place. You'll probably phrase it better. Than well, that. yeah. So San Antonio is out of space. And the thing is, though, that collins could always take the qualifying offer not always but uh that he hasn't made much money in his career but you still the way these things go is you usually end up offering a guy somewhat close to his market value maybe a little bit less like this maybe is an analogous situation to clint capella in 2018 a guy who had a track record was good in the playoffs i think we were all thinking he was going to get 20 million a year and that didn't end up happening he ended up more in the 16 17 range so and also realistically for someone like collins who had a good year who they want to keep there's also talk maybe even that they could move on from Danilo gallinari they want him in the fold long term and i think he's proved that he can defend on the perimeter a little bit more than we would have thought and that partially makes that viable 
and he also could continue to improve uh, offensively and be their second scorer in the long term so you don't want to totally alienate him you want to give him something that's at least going to give him life-changing money and it's also hard to go back on offers that you previously made in the extension process that was four for 90 is what that was reported as that he turned down and especially after he had a good year you know surely they said to him in the extension process all right you know hey we'll come with a if you have a good year you know we're going to take care of you so i think the five for 120 has kind of been bandied about a, a little bit and i think that would be a fair outcome for both sides the most he could get would be five for 143 uh if he went for the full uh five-year deal let me make sure that's actually true but uh yeah it would be i'm sorry five for 163 is the most that that he could get so that to me seems like it would be about right that five for 120 range but maybe it's just gonna have to play out a little bit longer because i agree with you he has lost some leverage here now all right thanks a lot thank you for the question chester i'm I'm looking through the discussion section now um what about signing trades with collins simmons or siakam i mean you're gonna need everybody to to turn the keys on that one that means john collins going to that place you know because he has to want to go to toronto or to philly philly as a sign and trade is actually incredibly i mean it might be easier in that case because presumably John Collins is going to make less than Ben Simmons so maybe that is a that is a possibility um but that requires Philly really wanting John Collins which is an open question and then for Siakam it's some of the same stuff with with Toronto so I think that all sides will you know they'll see what they can do but the lack of it and I mean the risk of Collins signing qualifying offer that I think that's possible but we'll, we'll have we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Let's get to some questions unless you have a reaction to that. No, let's do it. Uh, Raheem, you are on the air. Oh, wait, just disappeared. Um, Raheem, if I see you back in there, um, I will add you back. So we'll go to Hashim instead. Hashim, you're on the air. Hashim, are you here? Yeah, by the way, if any of you guys are, are struggling to hear us or, or with the speaker request, they just put out a new app. So maybe update your app or uh, the inevitable closing of the app and then reopening it also can be helpful sometimes. Co- Coach Nick is in the chat. What's that? Coach Nick, let's get let's get him up here for a second second if he wants to if he wants to talk you shouldn't have revealed yourself coach nick now now you might get get spotlighted i have put in a speaker invitation to him <laughs> well if he just oh. ah there he is 
What's going on, my man? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm stuck in the absolute worst traffic, and I figured, you know, let's put on a a, a, a green room show, your green room show, and check out what's happening uh, in the NBA. What what freeway are you on, Nick? I wish I was. I'm on San Vicente, just driving across the. You know, I got my haircut. I'm going home. So uh, that's yeah. All. <laughs> you're 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 one of these these video guys, man. You got to look sharp for for those videos with the haircut. Um. Well, I, yeah, especially yeah, going heading into this weekend, uh, I gotta I gotta have a nice. Haircut. So I, how are you feeling? Feeling about our our hometown team right now? Um, which is your hometown team or my home? Both of us, Chicago. Oh, uh, I don't know if they really know what they're doing. This is like <laughs> spaghetti on the wall. <laughs> You know, now wait. I I was I'm out of the loop for the last like hour and a half. Is Zach Levine still a bull? <laughs> yes, he yes. he is. I mean, the, you, you know about the DeRozan signing though, right? I I did see yeah. that. Um, and you know, it's funny because people were thinking it was an overpay, but I'm like, I don't know, a starter that can average you know 20 assists. That's that's got to be right. I, you guys, that must be a pretty good. That's a good salary. They're not overpaying for him, right? Uh, uh I mean, I I think so. I- I think I think it's an overpay. Um, but also part of it is, I mean, good for DeRozan, but the market was was thinning out for him. I mean, it's weird because he he played at a, I would say like a low end starter level last year for the Spurs, but it's going to be hard to replicate that on. Any well, that's I, I think that's really I think that's too harsh. Low end starter level. I think that like he's. I mean, his defense was was rough. yeah. It's just I think like it, he's a tough player to figure out to me, uh, coach, because it's like he can score for you and get some assists, which you know that is a rare skill. Which, but also when you get onto a better team, his defense and his lack of shooting kind of puts a ceiling on, on how good he can be. That's kind of how I see him. Do you see him that way too? Or, or you, do you like him more than that? Yeah. Well, I was sort of dreading the notion that he was the top free agent of this summer, which is sort of what, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, leading into this was everyone was like, he was pretty much the top of the list. And I'm like, yeah, it, it, there's a definite ceiling there. Um, there's the redundancy there to some degree with threes. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, the, I think the, Marketing is still a bull, right? Uh, he is not under contract right now, but they still do have his restricted rights. Uh, if but it doesn't seem okay. like they're going to offer because... him like a contract to come back. Like maybe he takes the one year qualifying offer, but I think he's looking for more money than they want to pay him to be a backup. Yeah, well, he should get the hell out of there anyway yeah. because they're not using him right. Here's a, here's an idea that I thought was interesting: was he had shown a lot of promise, even as like, as like a ball handling, spacing, you know, some not a big, but whatever he is. Uh, KP did the same thing. Then they both get on the teams in situations where they're just like shut up and stay in the corner. And I find that really interesting. I'm wondering if I'm missing. There's probably another guy at least like that too. And it's like, you know, is it? A, I, I wonder if it's a function of a Donovan thing where he's just not out of the box enough to be able to get it marketed in uh, to be a unicorn like I think he could be. Yeah, you know, I he's my default on guys like that is if they're not doing it it's because they can't and there are times early in his career where they tried to post him up the numbers really were were never that good uh, on that stuff uh but you know he can attack the basket a little bit more he certainly wants to try and explore that to be a mismatch but you know if he's gonna be kind of dirk like i've never really seen him have the ability to just beat his own man one-on-one in the way that someone like dirk could uh even against smaller players and so that's like really running stuff through him like yes i would like him to be involved some more and some pick and pops and maybe coming off of screens would be nice but you can kind of just guard him with a wing and it reduces his value and i don't think he can defend or protect the rim well enough to play center and so that's sort of my my thought on him but i think like there could be more there offensively and i thought i thought a team like the spurs would be one that would uh maybe try to invest there we were talking about second draft earlier um but they, he's also just like they don't have any resources left like he's just a body that they could use at this point as well 
Um, but I mean, what, let me ask you this: Like, do you think there's any way this team can defend? They they got oh. you know Lonzo at the at the one. They've got Patrick Williams, but then they also got Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch in their starting lineup. Right. I mean, it's a it's sort of a similar thing to like the Lakers on offense with those three guys. Uh, will that work? Um, you know, we've seen teams in the past have very deficient defenders be elite defensive teams. Um, I don't know if we've seen it when you have three in the starting lineup versus like two or even one um and then positionally you got to look at it because Vucevic is going to have to do a lot of that stuff and a lot of containing um I don't think I've seen a whole lot of evidence that he's gotten better at that like you know we've seen Aiton do that and get become like amazing at that but uh I don't think Vuce is ever going to do that so anyway the point being that yeah I don't think they're going to defend that well uh I suppose Billy Donovan has the ball is that, is, is, that are those sirens experience is, running an elite defense are, are those sirens uh yeah. is, is that what's going to happen yeah, on every know. defensive possession for the Bulls? Is that, is, is, is that, is that foreshadowing? No, I, uh, I think I think that's the Lakers well, just signed another guy who's 36, so they're celebrating. <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, you know, so because Lonzo and like, you know, if you have enough perimeter defenders that can kind of keep their men in front of them a little bit, then it's a little bit less of a pressure on the bigs like Vucevic to handle that. So like maybe, but I, I my prediction would be they'd be no better than uh, completely average on off on defense. Right. I don't think anyone's going to. That's not a hot take. I, I think average uh, would be I would think that that would be, they would look for that. One. What was it last year? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. Yeah. After oh, the Vooch trade. I, I, that's, that's actually some good info. To know. I'll, I'll look that up for tonight's pod of what they were after the boot trade. But <laughs> right, I, I think yeah, they were well it, it, below average, though. Yeah, I mean, probably in the 20s sounds right. So, yeah, so that's another problem where, um, you know, like, for instance, Frank Vogel was able to keep an elite defense in, with the Lakers without LeBron and AD for a big chunk, right? Like, the the, the the system was there. I don't know if Donovan's got something like that kind of magic uh, up his sleeve. So, um, you know, they're going to have to outscore teams. Can they do that with the DeRozan? It's 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 a it's a Frankenstein's monster to my, in my mind. I don't, I don't know if this is really going to work that well. All right. Well, th- thanks a lot, Coach. Uh, we'll let you get back to your crushing commute. <laughs> and uh, uh, Yeah, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Are you guys going to be in Vegas next week? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I'm looking Absolutely. looking forward to catching up with, with everyone. It's going to be great. All right. I'll, I'll come find you. I'm, I'm there uh, the first few days. All right. Sounds good, nice. man. Thanks Thanks for jumping drive, in. Drive safely. Uh, let's go to uh, Davin. Davin, you're on the air. Davin, you there? Okay. I'll move on again. If I if I see you back in the queue, try to get it. Um, Aaron, Aaron, you're on the air. Uh, am I unmuted? You are indeed. You're good. Nice, uh, nice avatar, right. by the uh, way. Where is that? Uh, Where, where's that avatar, Aaron? Uh, Grand Canyon. Oh, my! I, I proposed to my wife the Grand Canyon. Actually, that's my my favorite place on earth. It's fantastic. I proposed to mine in Copenhagen, Denmark. Ooh, that's a good one too. Actually, yeah, I, I have a buddy who says that's like the best city. It's like the best design, like laid out city in the world. He loves it. Yeah, it, uh, from someone that lives in North Carolina and is not used to uh, public transportation, though, it confused me having their. <laughs> <laughs> uh, public transportation down a level. So, uh, other than that, yeah, no, really fun city uh, that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, but for my question, uh, I am a Hornets fan, and they do know that free agency started. They just signed Ish Smith to the, uh, I think, the room exception for two years. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I listened to uh, Danny, your podcast, on uh, talking about all of the assets they have in centers. And I want to know, what is, like, a 
what is the best approach to finding a center, in your opinion? I mean, you it's very easy to end up overpaying them in free agency. You don't want to use a high-level asset. And then now they're in a situation where they've spent a lot of picks, I'll bet, lower level other than Kai Jones this year. Um, so what, that, that's part one of my question. And part two, do you think, uh, obviously, the, the uh, Hornets value him probably too much to do this. Would Gordon Hayward have been a good way for the... Um, to, for the Warriors to use seven and fourteen or Wiseman, some combination of that to improve their team into a win now move, rather than someone like uh, Pascal Siakam, who was discussed a lot. Well, so it's it, on. The, I'll start. I'll start with your first question. And for centers, I'm partial to. I, I've called it before the patchwork quilt idea, which is basically don't use high level resources unless you really trust the player, but get get guys who can do different things. So maybe you get one player who can run the floor really well, and you get another who's more of a rim protector and then get one who's a little switchier and ideally none of them make more than the mid-level exception like that is one way of one way of doing it and you just depend on the day and a lot of teams you're actually going to be playing a natural power forward at center in certain lineups depending on you know what kind of structure you're out there and yeah sam and i talked about the idea of you know like spending four or five roster spots on the center that that's real a problem because you can't play centers in other spots so that means you're going to be thinner in case of, of injuries and everything else so that is generally the approach i would use and then if you can have some who's good enough that they can fill that fill a larger role then then you accommodate that you know if you can get one of those truly great players or you have somebody on a rookie scale contract then you work with it and in terms of like the Gordon Hayward thing I don't think because the Warriors would have to send out matching salary you know I don't think that the margin between Gordon Hayward and Andrew Wiggins was sufficient to give those kinds of resources up and Wiggins is flawed but also he he's more durable and I like Hayward's fit offensively but you know defensively can bring some challenges so I think that the if in a different world i mean there were rumors that the warriors were going to you know that gordon hayward was their fallback if they hadn't gotten kevin durant that would have happened had to happen in 17 not 16 if memory serves so there's definitely has been interest by this front office in gordon hayward but that was a different point in in the franchise's life and of course gordon hayward's unfortunately with all the interest. awesome yeah thank you uh just i i do hope that they well i won't say hope i do think it's probably a good idea to cut nick richards if they're willing to pay because i think he is fully guaranteed uh and then yeah i was thinking gordon would be a good offensive fit but his injury he's a good offensive fit yeah his injury concerns are uh, an obvious concern and i i wasn't really sure uh how good of a defender he was compared to uh, Andrew. So that was kind of uh, that, that was where I wasn't totally sure about it either. But uh, thank you guys for the quest or thank you for answering my questions. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Okay, um, let's go to Nat. Nat, you're on the air. Hello? What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Um, I was going to initially ask a Bulls question, but I think we talked about the Bulls for about 20 years. Um, I'm a Sixers fan. Um, just kind of like I would do anything to get any kind of point guard at this point, like Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, anything. But uh, any sign-and-trade possibilities for Sixers in the point guard market right now? And then if that's not the case, because I think everyone's kind of gone at this point, Spencer's gone. Um, I don't know, any bad uh, trade things or et cetera, but any kind of Sixers point guard talk to give me some some kind of hope and having some kind of actual ball handler. Would be so 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, go ahead, Danny. Sorry. I, I've been thinking about something for the last, like, five hours, which is if Dennis Schroeder really can't get anything, and the whole point of what he wants to do this year is to maximize his visibility and opportunity for 2022, like, if that's really where he wants to go, signing a one plus one with the, with the Sixers for the mid-level exception is a reasonable thing for him to do. Now, that would they have to promise him a starting spot and some of the other stuff, but that would open up, you know, it'd be a capable player that can kind of fit into some parts of their Schroeder is definitely imperfect, but like that sort of a like I, I'm wondering with when they wave George Hill, like kind of where this is going for San for 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 Philly. But like Schroeder, that would be it's a it's a weird way to do it. But like, I, and I don't I, I think that Schroeder that they'll make something else happen. But I don't know. I thought about it for a little bit today, Nate. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think realistically, the Sixers are probably only going to use the taxpayer mid level, even with the waiver of George Hill. They they have well uh, maybe, maybe that's not true they have about 19 million below the apron now but i think they're probably going to want to try to bring back danny green the problem with using either the full mid-level or a sign and trade is that then you're hard cap and yeah. the bigger now that lowry isn't available the bigger fish to fry is the ben simmons trade and so i don't think that the sixers are going to want to hamstring themselves with the hard cap and not be able to take back more money potentially in a simmons trade that's something that could be a, a major problem for them. So I think, you know, Danny Green plus the tax primary level, like, yeah, they definitely could use another guard. You know, I would really like Reggie Jackson for them a lot uh, if they could get him. And maybe that would be worth using the full mid-level on and you just would have to figure out a way to cut some salary elsewhere. And Danny Green obviously wouldn't be back in that scenario you would think he's going to have offers above the minimum which is about all they could probably spend if they brought back reggie jackson or they brought in reggie jackson uh using the full mid-level but that would be my pipe dream for them would be getting reggie jackson at, at the full mid-level i think his ability to play off the ball but also create some on the ball would be pretty good fit with simmons also someone who could maybe be moved in a trade if you wanted to at some point as a, a mid-tier salary so that'd be the guy i'd be looking for for the Sixers at this point he doesn't really seem to have that great of a market uh, right now which is kind of a surprise to me right just to respond real quick to both you guys yeah I think the mid-level for Schroeder like value-wise is fine he just kind of drives crazy and watching him just like not even look at a three-point shot during the Lakers uh, playoff series is kind of incredibly depressing uh but yeah Reggie would great if we could get Reggie uh yeah his on and off ball ability would be pretty awesome and somebody who can charge the paint um but yeah I think as well like trying to keep Danny Green I think would be huge because if we did trade Ben for some kind of you know point guard like on we're going to be a little short on the wing with just Tease I think so having another 3 and D guy um, if we have like two small guards like Seth like a lot of the like Seth and CJ backcourts I feel like they're just non-dynamic enough and too small but um, you know having someone like Danny Green or something like that on the wing would kind of help some of that a little bit but um, cool thanks guys thanks for joining us um, while we're while we're on the Sixers front the long mystery is for over the Philadelphia 76ers have waived George Hill. Um, so that, you know, it's actually happened per Bobby Marks. So that's about 1.3 million that goes on the cap. Theoretically, the Sixers could stretch that. There isn't really, it doesn't appear to be much of a reason for them to do so at the moment, unless they're trying to squeeze something in, but we don't know that. Uh, so 
so yeah, so the George Hill thing, which lasted se- seemingly about as long in the mock-off season as it did here, just in terms of per volume of signings, um, and did that. And also, we didn't make it all the way through a uh, green room without getting a Sixers question. I, I wouldn't be stunned if we got at least one more. Um, so let's go to No Cap. You're on the air. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hey, um, so I have a question about the Warriors. Um, like, what are they doing? Um, I feel like you really need to start thinking about trading either Draymond or trading Wiggins for bench depth. I just don't think that vet minimum contracts are gonna do, and I think the Lakers loaded up, and it's like Bob Myers literally sitting on his hands right now. Thanks, guys. I love the show. So I'm I'm more optimistic on Otto Porter and Bielitsa than I think probably many are. Now there is always the if they can stay healthy, but both of those guys can you know can fill roles within the rotation. And yeah, it would have been great to have gotten Patty Mills for the taxpayer mid level. He chose the Nets over the Warriors and Lakers. That happens. Um, but I'm going to withhold judgment until we see what happens with the taxpayer mid level because I don't expect like Danny Green to take that. I think he's going to have better offers, I, and I and I don't know why he would prefer to be with. The Warriors and some of the other teams that could theoretically be out there. But there's a possibility that they can get more with that, just like some other teams have. And Porter Jr. and Bielitsa, you know, like you can do worse. And I think part of this for Myers and for Lakeup and, and everybody who makes decisions for the Warriors is they want to see how this looks, how how it works when everybody's together. And it's not going to be for a point in the season. We'll see how when what timeline Clay Thompson is on. But th- they didn't have like some sort of crazy mechanism. They couldn't acquire anybody by sign trade because they're so expensive. And so I think this is a, you know, so far this is a reasonable offseason for them and it can get positive if they can do well with the taxpayer. For me, I the idea of trading Draymond or Wiggins, like Draymond Green is what potentially gives you a championship ceiling still. He was third in defensive player of the year last year and first team all defense as he should have been. And his ability to play center and also handle the ball on the other end is a really good fit with Stephen Clay, if you want to switch some defensively, he can do some of that still. And because otherwise, they're just not going to have that good of a defense, right? You're not going to find bigs who can defend like him and get I mean they were a top five defense last year and they did it mostly because of him they didn't have really any other elite defenders on this team and so like you got to be good on both ends of the floor and you can't do that unless you have Draymond Green as many offensive limitations as he does have at this point in time and then Wiggins the same thing there I think he is overpaid maybe by 10 million bucks or so for what he's bringing but he still guards the other team's best player and he shoots it okay he gives it a little supplemental scoring and some transition and so I I think their depth is actually not that terrible honestly at at this point they could use one more guy but I like Jordan Poole for them pretty well like Juan Toscano Anderson he's not a sexy name but he was very solid for them he was even closing some games like I think he's fine there like Damian Lee is a decent enough backup to guard you know so I don't think that like getting better at positions seven through nine would be worth a downgrade for your second or third best player and your fourth best player usually you don't want to move those guys to get better lower in the roster okay let's go to dr disrespect you're on the air hey guys um oh there you go i was wondering what your thoughts are on portland signings so far and they're all kind of blah to me nothing that moves the needle but wondering what i'm pretty i'm pretty positive on their guys for the minimum i mean assuming tony snell's coming for that and cody zeller like those are both viable rotation players when they're healthy and can can fit in and that's you know there aren't that many of those guys that are going to the minimum to places outside of the title contenders so for Portland to get that 
that. The Norm Powell contract, it is, for me, pretty clearly a year's, not dollar situation, where $18 million a year for him is fine. Like, that's totally reasonable for Norm Powell. I mean, back when he was, his best moments during last season, that didn't seem like that was going to happen. But five years is a lot for Powell. He's 28 right now, so that means you're covering the early part of his 30s. I, so, but overall, you know, if we're going to kind of put all those signings together, I think Portland has done reasonably well. Who do you guys think they could sign with their mid-level? My instinct is they're probably not going to use it. I mean, if they, they, they could theoretically go into the tax, but I mean, Nate, is there anybody you're thinking of for them that simultaneously, like, that is worth the extra cost that they would have, you know, somebody that you could throw that money to? Yeah, they don't have a huge role to offer at this point in time. And I think as we've been talking about it, it unless someone like Kelly Oubre, you know, maybe Paul Millsap, uh, you know, I think Reggie Jackson's market, Schroeder's market is, is above that. And George Hill might be a thought there. Uh, for that but when you all these teams that have the taxpayer mid-level they have that because they're in the tax and so i'm not sure that there are that many guys where it's worth not only paying the player and his salary but also the extra tax payment to get the extra production over what you could get for the minimum and particularly when you consider that the blazers are you know probably fourth or fifth in line of the teams that have their taxpayer mid-level as far as just you know whether someone would want to go there or not so you're probably ending up paying a guy more someone who might have minimum offers elsewhere and so i just it's probably just not worth it honestly and they're it's the market's really thin at this point i'm like yeah if you could get danny green or you could get Ubre or you could get george hill for that i would think about it maybe paul Millsap, but i'm not really sure who else uh, i would want to bring in ultimately at that taxpayer level particularly because they don't necessarily have that much uh, that much playing time to offer at any positions at this point in time. I, I like that we got a portal question. Thank you to the doctor for that. Um, let's see. Um, from from Daniel Hennessy on, in the in the question in their discussions, right? The reports about heat ownership not wanting to go into tax from Barry Jackson feels like doesn't make sense when trying to maximize the team. Which I mean, Bam and Lowry right now. I mean, they, it seems like they put together a pretty strong team where they're going to be. I mean, they're going to be hard caps, so they'll be right around that line, whether they're a little over, a little under. But giving Jimmy Butler the contract that he reportedly got plus Lowry for thirty million and BAM's getting that, it's going to be hard for them to avoid the tax in future years. I mean, they might not want to do it this year, but it's, they're certainly setting the table for doing so eventually, though if I were to pick one front office to eventually get out of a financial hole, it would be Andy Ellsberg and the Heat. Well, and they also... Uh... They don't really have salary that they can dump, and they're almost certainly going to be over the tax. The hard cap is the the bigger issue, and they've got yeah. seven roster slots to fill. I mean, if Struzan and Vincent call it ten, but they're still, you know, they got sort of five roster slots now. I guess I should say they got ten, five roster slots to fill. They got ten under contract. Is what I was trying to say there, and they have got you know 13 million left below the hard cap and you basically are you know maybe they'll be a couple of million bucks shy but i don't even know how they could possibly not be into the tax at the start of the year or what they could do to shed salary because it's attached to uh, all their key players are the only guys making more than four million are their starters so nate i'm going to give you the choice do you want to do one more question or do you want to get back get back on the grind to get our sheets ready for tonight's pod? <laughs> well not that much has happened let's uh let's take a pacers question here real quick from uh nick leonard 
did the pacers get worse uh i mean basically they're just replacing tory craig or, or using tory craig to replace doug mcdermott yeah that's a little bit of a downgrade i would say and they lost but they yeah. also there also should be significantly healthier than last year so maybe full strength pacers are worse than full strength pacers but we never saw that last year at yeah all. and they also lost uh, aaron holiday and they brought in isaiah jackson and they also got chris duarte who i think they're of the opinion that he can step into mcdermott's role but they have craig as insurance if if he can't another thing too i was really impressed with the, what they got from o'shea Brissett at the end of last year if he can build on that and having warren coming back you know so i understand the question of like did they get worse from five days ago Ah, eh, you know there's an argument there uh but no i i don't think they did i think they'll I expect them to be a lot better record-wise, and I don't think that they got worse just in terms of where they were to start things off. A lot of it depends really on what you think of Duarte, and Jackson probably won't contribute, but when you draft a 24-year-old in Duarte, you expect him to be able to contribute immediately. Uh, programming note, by the way, we are not going to be able to do Spotify Green Room with Hollinger tomorrow. Uh, there is a, a personal absence involved there, so we're not going to be able to have a pot at all. Uh, unfortunate timing, obviously, with this being free agency, but uh, that just happens sometimes. Some things are more important than podcasts. So, uh, unfortunately, that won't be happening, but obviously this will be out uh, on dunked on if you're just getting in here late you want to catch the beginning of it and of course danny and i will be on dunked on prime every night until these signings slow down so we'll uh talk to you later tonight hopefully on dunked on prime till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 